What's up, everybody? Hello, and welcome to episode number 156 of the VK Bros with Jason and Alex Von Cannell. Uh, how are you going this week, Alex? I'm feeling human again. I'm finally getting over the sickness. I've been to the gym Tuesday, Wednesday, and today, Friday. Nice. I'm feeling good. Yep. Still got a bit of a lingering cough that I'm trying to trying to get over, but mm-hmm. I actually feel human again. It's awesome, nice. man. Uh, that would be a nice feeling. I'm going on about six weeks straight of just lingering sickness, which keeps getting passed around the family. So, although I feel like today in particular, I'm starting to get there slowly. So, look, shout out to all the parents of, you know, kindy and school age kids who are probably going through the same thing at the moment. Uh, it will be over soon. The weather is starting to warm up. So, hopefully, respiratory season will soon be behind us. All right, we have a big show today, uh, guys, and we're going to actually start with the subject that we said we'd speak about last week and completely forgot about, which was the Commonwealth Games cancellation. Uh, Lots to go through in that, and a few things have actually come out this week too, which is super relevant to that story. Uh, I'll then just give you some updates. Something I followed up from last week is finding out what the differences are between the Western Australian existing Aboriginal Cultural Heritage Act and the new act that came into effect on the 1st of July. That was obviously uh, one of the more controversial parts of last week's show, and I've got the key differences, and there's actually a fair bit, so I'll run through that with you. Uh, And that'll actually segue through nicely to a discussion around the the Indigenous voice to Parliament, because the referendum is coming. Uh, We have searched out those yes and no pamphlets, and... Look, I think it's worth going through. Uh, this is going to be a pretty big thing for the country. So stick with us and we'll run through all those three subjects this time. We promise we'll get through all three. Of them. <laughs> I've just got a quick anecdote. I had an experience. I ordered some, just some new shoes and a t-shirt from the Adidas app in yep. June, 18th of June. And like, haven't even had, uh, so I had a confirmation that the order was made, but never had a shipping confirmation. Right. And a month later, I was like, okay, I'm going to contact. So got a ring between office hours. Uh, I call, I, I'm on hold for 50 minutes. 50, 50 minutes? minutes. Wow. 50 minutes. Now, throughout that whole uh, waiting period, they have the music, but then they also have an overvoice that tells you like, oh, like maybe this problem could be fixed online. Just do mm. this online. All the normal stuff. But what they also had in addition to that was uh, a lot of orders that were placed in, in June um, haven't been fulfilled, so give us another week. Or if you have requested a refund, we need more time, so allow another 14 days. Hmm. So anyway, I finally make it in because I'm like, I'm not going to cop those things. Like, sure, I fit in with one of those categories, <laughs> yeah. maybe, but... I'm, I'm going to, I want to talk to someone. It's just complete lack of customer service, isn't it? They're just trying to put say, in automated messages to get people to go away. Yep. The automated message also goes, uh, the person that you speak to will not be able to give you any updates on your, on your thing. <laughs> kind of, I don't cop that either. Uh, so when I finally talk to it, you know, for, for a start, it's an overseas call center. So I don't know why you have to do it within the hours of eight and six, uh, mm-hmm. eight and four. But anyway, she goes, oh yeah, your order was canceled. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, when? Oh, like a, a, a showing here, you know, instantly. I'm like, okay, so I placed the order on the 18th of June. You took payment on the 21st of June. You sent mm-hmm. me a confirmation on the 22nd of June. And now you're saying that it's been cancelled over a month later. 
And then I said, if I had called, if I hadn't called, what would have happened? Mm. Uh, 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 like no answer. And then I was thinking, do you think they did it for an earnings call for the end of financial year? Think about how much money. Mm. So mine was cheap because I'm a cheapskate when it comes to clothes. So I only buy stuff that's on like outlet. That's yeah, cheap. yeah, 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 yeah. But how much money was raised in like, had they ever intended on filling those orders? It or makes, you, it makes you, you yeah. They've just yeah. raised millions of dollars. They get to keep some of it from the people that don't follow up. Mm. But you now push the cost, like the refunds into the next financial year. Yeah. Yeah. So you get happens. to, sh- you know, dude, I, I think you're on, you're on the right path there for sure. Cause June, everyone knows end of financial year sales. Um, part of me also goes like, cause the economy isn't going that great. So have they to try to increase their margins? Have they tried to take all the orders up front and then, then plan on actioning those orders afterwards when they can like order from the factory in bulk to try to get like a bulk discount based on the amount of orders they received or something? But I would have copped that if it was, if I'd bought it from a retailer in Australia, but I'm not, it was directly from Adidas. Yeah, true. So, yeah. And, and funny, you, said, you made a comment, right? The economy's not going that great. Well, not if you talk to the all the earnings calls that have come out in the US mm. where they've all made record profits. Yeah, funny that. Which eh? means we've been gouged this whole time. So yeah. inflation has probably been driven by retail. Well, we know it has been. Like 69% yeah. of the excess inflation above the RBA's target of 2 to 3% has been proven to be caused by corporate profiteering. Like, we know that. Um, I, I got jack of it. The power price is up. Uh, there was a stat yesterday. The wholesale price of electric electricity is down by twenty five percent on three years ago, but the price paid by retailers is up fifty. Yeah, because all they do is they put stories out into the marketplace to psyop everyone into thinking that there's rational reasons why everything's so much more expensive when they're yeah. just gouging. And that's like you said, all you have to do is go and look at all of these end of year reports where they go back to their shareholders and go, look how much money we've made last financial year. We're killing it. Yeah. Our last quarter was the best ever. I, I, I got Jack, I went shopping this morning and had to quickly grab something from Kmart. And I don't go to Kmart very often, but you go in there, they now, now everything is self-service, just like your Coles and your Woolies all are. But instead of having people manning like giving you service and scanning your products and putting them in bags for you, they've now got two security guards standing out the front. So you go in there, you grab your products, you do their job for them, you scan them, you pay for them, and then you go to walk out and security goes, hold on there, we need to check your bag. And I was like, mate, don't treat me like a criminal just because you guys don't want to give any service. Like, go away. I'm like- And what's what's wild is that a security guard would cost more per hour. Yeah. Than what a... It's it's wild. Dude. And I think you'll yeah. end up seeing that everywhere. Because like my Coles just down the street pretty much never has actual tellers on unless it's the weekend now. Yeah. and But they have people manned out the front. Like it's, yeah, it's it's not going in the way that... Uh... So what's the tip? Don't get a receipt and still scan everything as brown onions. Yeah, probably. You just don't yeah. print your receipt out and then go, look, you go and check the system, but I don't have time for this. See you later. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That sounds like a you problem because I'm yeah. yet to receive a check for uh, being a checkout chickie. I'm yeah. re- yet to receive a payslip. And th- that's the common theme. Every single problem that seems to happen with every company now is all, it's all the customer's problem now. Yeah. Right? So the customer, you had to chase up your order that yeah. they cancelled and never told you about and never refunded your money. But you had to chase that up. If you never did, yeah. 
which like how many people out there order stuff all the time and don't even really keep track of all the things they're ordering online heaps of people do that oh if i was if i was working in dealerships i wouldn't have had 50 minutes ever to chase that up never ever yeah never ever so i would have just burnt it Hmm. but uh anyway chase speaking of burning money let's talk about the cancellation of the commonwealth games Wah wah wee wah. Wah wah wee wah, indeed. Um, so, just before we get into this article, uh, obviously there was a lot of conjecture around about the Commonwealth Games as it happened, and one of the one of the biggest things that stood out to us, which we were planning on talking about last week and then just forgot about it, was the fact that this was yet another pre-election promise by the Daniel Andrews government which was going to um, drive investment and tourism dollars into the regional areas of Victoria. And uh, as we, we follow uh, a um, person called Voice of Victoria on Twitter and on socials, who is very heavily involved in the Victorian political scene, and she was saying during this entire time that uh, those are the areas, those rural and regional areas, were where de- Labor was struggling to get votes. So... Basically, he comes out and goes, look how much money we're going to be investing into your uh, regions. How good are we going? And then obviously he won the election. And this goes to the same, uh, in the same way as the East-West Link Tunnel, which was another project that was promised beforehand. And we all saw the videos from the union heads going, you know, you don't have to like him. We're not voting for Dan Andrews. You're voting for his jobs because he's pledged this many billions of dollars moving into the future on these projects. And then he's canceled that project afterwards as well. Now, a lot of people defending Dan Andrews are saying he was he's right to cancel his Commonwealth Games, and I agree. I agree; it's yep. the right decision. Me too. Uh, uh, as a, I, I'd said in a post a little while ago, that uh, the everyday Australian is having to forego luxuries right now just to make ends meet because of the cost of living crisis that we're experiencing. Uh, Part of the main reason for the cost of living crisis and the inflation in particular is gross government spending over the last however many decades. So we need to forego these luxuries that we can't afford right now. So I get it. Except that was already the case before they agreed to take the games on in the first place. So Yeah, they're supposed to forward date it, right? They, I think yeah. someone had said or someone had at least uncovered an old uh, article where some of the staffers in Andrew's government had said they were really surprised that he said that they were going to go for the 2024 games when they were only just financial, like they'd modelled out that they were only ready financially for the 2028 games. Oh no, it was like it was like 2034, I think. Right, right. Was the one that they'd modelled for. Because yeah. what, and, and again, this is, this is typical Dan Andrew's accounting. To make it look like it was feasible beforehand, he had factored in federal government funding, which was never promised and never eventuated. Oh, man. So, yeah. yeah. Anyway, so now there's all the conjecture about... Well, can I see Tom Tate? Did you see Tom Tate on there saying he... Oh, God, I'll help you out, guys. You'll just just do the con games up here. We've got the stuff already. Come in. Or just give us the federal money that he's not going to get. You does. We'll put the com games on here. I think it was a great move. It was a very, very good move. He could do it on the cheap. Yep. We can get we can we can uh, whip one back, and I think he was trying to sell it as like, oh, at least we won't have to pay the cancellation, mm. uh, the 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 cancellation fee, like the the contract termination fee. Yeah. Bring it to the Gold Coast. Which 
Which is interesting too, because there's a lot of figures being thrown out around at the moment about how much it's actually going to cost us to cancel the games. And the figures that we're starting to see are things like figures around $2 billion. But we're also starting to th see things like um, that's $2 billion to the Commonwealth Games Committee, whatever they're called. Uh, but also that Victoria may have to pay a billion dollars to whoever ends up hosting the games themselves. And it gets even better because this news story came out on two days ago. So it's Friday morning. It came out on Wednesday. It's from The Age. It's titled, Taxpayers to Fund Councils Axed Commonwealth Games Jobs. All right. Taxpayers are on the hook to pay millions of dollars in six-figure salaries for specially appointed Commonwealth Games directors at councils for the next three to five years, even though the games have been cancelled. Councils in the former uh, Commonwealth Games hubs of Geelong, Ballarat, Bendigo and Gippsland had each already approved, uh, sorry, appointed executives to fixed term roles before the shock announcement by Premier Daniel Andrews last week the event would not be going ahead. Uh, the Age has confirmed two of the jobs are paid at least $200,000 a year and council sources expect the other roles to be within that range. The state government has announced a $25 million in quotes support package for Commonwealth Games related costs already outlaid by local councils, which includes covering the salaries of the executive roles for years to come. A government spokeswoman on Wednesday confirmed that the council of each hub, Geelong, Bendigo, Ballarat and Latrobe, will be provided with $5 million, while Shepparton Council will receive $3 million. The package also includes a further $2 million for small grants for other impacted councils. According to public job listings, the appointments were made as long ago as July 2022, with the most recent appointment in June, just weeks before the cancellation. Oh my god. Um, we don't really have to go through too much more of that. What I would that love... is a joke, Dave. That is a joke. So this is this is the sort of thing that I just don't understand how this is legal when it comes to using public funds. So we have cancelled. I'll tell you why. Yep. Because money's not real. It's yeah. not real. This money that we use is funny. It's monopoly money. Push the printer uh, uh, and just send it out. It's it's meaningless. Yep. All that's happened is all these all these guys getting these sweetheart deals. Why the hell do you have to pay a council two to five million dollars to do nothing? Yeah, exactly. It's fees for no service. Like the the theme of these conversations that we keep having in yeah. private is all of these companies charging fees and not giving a service. It's a racket. It's a yeah. It's obscene. And what would be interesting, and maybe we can we can do a bit of digging and see if it's possible, is I would love to see how swampy all of these names are. So I would oh, love yeah. to see all these people that have been appointed to these these beautiful two hundred thousand dollar a year jobs on a fixed term of five years, who their friends are, what their connections are, if they actually have any experience in the area. Like, I would love to see those things. But again, I just don't understand how... We, like, we... I'm pretty sure the original quote by Daniel Andrews to hold the Commonwealth Games was like $2.4 billion or something. And even back then when he quoted it, people were like, that doesn't make any sense because Queensland held the Commonwealth Games for $1.5 billion. Why is it so much more expensive? And jokes yeah. were made at the time. Well, look, it's that's the cost of construction in Daniel Andrews' union-run uh, Victoria, right? Yeah. Um, now, it's going to... Well, you, know, up... you, know they, you know they charge for bags now, right? Like at the supermarket, you have to pay extra for the yeah. bags? Yeah. yeah. 
Or someone's going to pay. It's going to end up costing more than what the original quote was for the Commonwealth Games just to cancel it. What a deal. What, what a deal. deal. What a deal for someone. Oh, it just, it makes me sick. Like, it makes yeah. me sick. And, and, and it's, it goes back to the old Kerry Packer, uh, you know, Senate hearing about his tax, where, where they said that his tax... Uh, Minimisation. Minimisation was uh, counter to the... Um, the, the the idea of the law right yeah and one of the things the famous quotes he said is like like yeah i mitigate my like i lower my tax as much as possible you guys don't have a good record of spending it very well that's right and here's yeah. an example what a freaking waste of money yeah it's it's crazy and it's your money yes yeah. it's, it's all about it's our money just being squandered and it's just, so frustrating as we've been saying for months juxtapose that against what the rba is saying oh all you peons out there are spending too much money causing inflation that's why we have to put the interest rates up well let me put a call out there now uh us rates just went up a quarter of a percent this yep. week and so did the european union ones so, yep. so ours will go I, up again in a few days they're saying though that our our inflation rates dropped to in the fives or to six percent yeah, is that, the in, is, in, is that the inflation rate where they uh, measure it not including costs of groceries and housing? Power and housing. Yeah, yeah. like all the things that have gone up ballistically through the roof, like yeah. that measure. The yeah. metric sucks. The metric sucks. And, and, and this this is the whole thing. Like when you hear that, because it got quoted to me in the gym. One of the guys goes, oh, it's yeah. good news. We're down to 6%. I'm like, what's gone? What's only gone up 6%? That's right. And, and then I said, what frustrated me the most is when they announced that, on the news that I was watching, yeah, the very next article was about that power. Uh, it was about power going up by fifty percent. Hmm. So I'm like, okay, so for that to be the case, then some other commodity must have gone down, yeah, by you know by a massive percentage. But mm -hmm. nothing's gone down, dude. Nothing. Yeah, I know. And that's the thing. Like, I know it's it's BS because I spend the majority of my money at the uh, like you know Coles and Woolies. So I'm looking at the prices all the time and with kids, you're mainly buying the same stuff all the time. Mm. And the thing that I always look at, I'm going to call it Jason's yogurt index. There's a, yep. a specific type of yogurt pouch. I've mentioned it before, which the boys really enjoy. And the normal price of those over the last sort of two years that we've been buying them has been around $1.50. Now, if you go into any Coles or Woolies, they're at $2.40. That ain't 6%, but you know, it's bullshit. Because when they're getting close to their expiry date, and when I say close, I mean still like two weeks to go, and they go on sale, they're $1.20. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, that's a 100% profit margin. So it's funny that you've got your yogurt uh, your yogurt index. Yep. Well, I've, I was talking to a friend of mine about, um, there's a bottle of wine that I really, really like. It's a bottle of red. It's called Chianti. It's mm. cheap. Mm -hmm. Like, it was 10 bucks a bottle, and it's delicious. Yeah. And I started calling into the same, that only one place has it and it's it's only got one row dedicated to itself. So there's only usually four or five bottles there. Yep. Going to buy one or two two bottles. But it went up to $11. Yeah, right. And I was outraged. I was like, <laughs> this is insulting. I told the guy, I told the guy, I had a whinge to the guy. I'm like, oh man, this has gone up. I happened to be driving the Ferrari that day and he was like, yeah. <laughs> as I put in. It's a rental. Made, <laughs> he made, made a comment about it and I was like, yeah, fair call. But I was talking to my friend and he goes, yeah, you should just say, why thinks... do you think I own a Ferrari, bro? Yeah. But he goes, he goes, uh, my friend goes, no, there is, he thinks there's a systematic racket that happens. They know when you're on like a recurring buy. 
Right. So they know if you just come in like every th- you know every Thursday at yeah. five o'clock, someone buys this bottle. Okay, tweak it up. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to break the cycle, and I just didn't buy it. So over one dollar, I didn't buy it. Ten percent increase, by the way. Ten percent increase. Didn't buy it. Thank you, thank Guess you for not now. contributing towards inflation. I appreciate you. Guess how much it is not now? Ten dollars. Nine dollars. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that's what it's like, and I mean, you see it with with servos like there's a service station right next door to the boys kindy and sure enough like the the price fluctuates about 20 to 30 cents during the weekly cycle and it's always as it gets closer to the weekend the price jacks right up back up again but if you go yeah, sort of, sort the, towards the middle of the week then it then it's usually 20 to 30 cents cheaper and oil is 80 bucks a barrel yeah us yeah so absolute gouge yeah, so in other words, we're, we're being fucked, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> from yeah. every every direction. Um, speaking of which, uh, I, I really... No, I'm going to save it for next week. I'm going to call out a celebrity next week. Okay. All right? There's cool. a cliffhanger. I'm, gonna, I'm calling out a Hollywood celebrity. I'm going to call him out next week. Yes, yeah, sweet. Because this is the only way that we're actually able to build growth on the channels. We're going to have to start beefing with celebrities. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, all right, I just want to segue briefly to the Aboriginal Cultural Heritage Act that I spoke about last week because I did do a deep dive into the legislation and it's super convoluted, but there are some key changes right. which are contributing to the outrage. Um, so I'll just I'll just go through the key change. I'm not going to bring up any um, resources. any resources because it's literally like. 12 different documents that are all on the WA government's website. So I can understand as if you were a landowner over there, just the frustration of having to read 12 different documents to try to figure out what you're allowed to do in your property would be insane. So here are the key changes from my research. The first one is they have changed the definition of what uh, Aboriginal cultural heritage is limited to from they've, they've broadened the, um, the definition so it used to just be particular places or objects and they've now broadened the term to in quotes tangible and intangible objects places landscapes stories and songs etc of cultural significance i tried to use that for my patent application i used tangible and intangible physical and non-physical inputs and it got bounced yeah (laughs) Yeah. because you're not the government so Obviously, that's that's about as clear as mud is what what that can be related to. The second big change is the introduction of what they call activity tier lists. So an activity is something that you want to do on your property. Sure. Um, and they're all based on levels of ground disturbance. So they've, I think they've got, it's either three or four tiers. And there are some exempt activities as well um based on whatever uh sector you're in so whether it's farming or right right, so they've they've got all different laws based on those but like a tr2 activity for example requires you to so you have to do an assessment first on whether or so you have to do like a visual assessment of your property yourself um if you find anything like you're supposed to they've got a register that's supposed to have aboriginal cultural heritage significant things on that register so first you've got to check your property on there to see if it's on there if it's not you then need to go and do an assessment yourself if you think that there is anything of aboriginal cultural heritage on your site the old 
Act used to require you to get consent from the relevant minister, like the government minister, to be able to do works on your site. The new Act requires you to go to a thing called a local Aboriginal, uh, sorry, local Aboriginal Cultural Heritage Service, which are private corporations to now be set up in the different regions who can charge consultancy fees of up to $160 per hour as well as uh, additional kickers if it's like in a rural area or etc. So there's considerably more cost involved. Um, a tier two activity, which you require to do, to do the assessment yourself and then approach these, they call them LACs, L-A-C-H-S. A tier two activity is something um, defined as uh, disturbing the ground by up to uh, 50 centimeters below the ground and any removal of more than four kilograms of material within one calendar year. Yeah. Right, wow. that's a tier two activity. A tier three activity is if you're removing 20 kilograms or more material in a calendar yeah. year. And to do a tier three activity, you need to come up with a full, um, I can't remember the exact term for it, but it's essentially like an action plan in conjunction yeah. with these local Aboriginal cultural heritage service organizations. So very, very finicky, um, restrictive, but also costly measures have been implemented. Now, the last bit I'll go through is the penalties. Yeah, I I researched this too. Yeah. And yeah, this is pretty shocking. So from the old act, which expired at the end of July, or expires at the end of July, uh, the maximum fine was $50,000. And there, there is a potential for imprisonment as well. In the new act, the maximum fine is $1 million for individuals or $10 million for a body corporate. Uh, in WA law, if it's a corporation, which most farms are run under corporations, you actually take the existing fine and you multiply it by five. Yeah. So if you're a corporation and you do the wrong thing, you can be charged up to $50 million. But to make matters worse, the actual director of the company, even if they're not involved directly in the activity itself, is liable for up to $5 million. Yeah. So that's why it's causing... And the jail time. Oh, and there's the jail, jail time, time there still too. Yeah. Well, so that... it, I, what I read is that it was five up to five years jail. Yeah. So that's why particularly like the farmers are outraged at the moment because they've dropped this bomb. The other issue they've got is in most areas. So the government announced about a $70 million funding package for these local Aboriginal cultural heritage centers to be set up. Most of them aren't even set up. So you can't even go and get the relevant authority now to be able to do the activities on your property. And obviously the penalties are so high, like literally, a maximum of $50,000 has turned into a maximum of $55 million. If it's, yeah, it's a... the same. It's the same. When you take into consideration inflation, it's the same. <laughs> Just monopoly money, mate. Yeah, well, the, the inflation that, uh, that we've experienced between June uh, 30 and today's date. So, yeah. But yeah, so th those are the reasons for the differences. Yeah. Um, it is significant. It's absolutely significant. Yeah. It's going to be an absolute shit fight. And, yeah. Um, 
And there has I... been further follow-up stories about this during the week too. There was a a meeting held where the whoever the Labor minister is that it was responsible for those appeared at, and there was all these farmers and stuff, and that got very very heated and. They're already sort of trying to walk back some things now and say that they might want to start the consultation process again and blah, blah, blah. You don't um, want to piss off the farmers. Look what happened in uh, Denmark. Is it in, yeah. in, in Denmark where the, the farmers, uh, not only were they protesting and blocking highways and with their tractors, but they've actually started a political party and it looks like they're going to get into power. Yeah. They, um, the, the previous, I believe it's a left-wing government, uh tried to push something through couldn't push it through and they said if if we can't get it through then we're out like we'll, we'll go back yep. we'll go to an election and i don't know when the election ha is going to happen but it looks like the farmers will win it yeah and this was to do with the um because they're the they're the farmers that are the most efficient and uh, climate conscious in the world and the government was trying to say that all these farmers are using too much nitrogen fertilizer so they're actually trying to get the government was trying to force buy back 3000 farms from farmers and also make them sign up contracts saying that they will not be able to go and start a new farm elsewhere yeah yeah, so, yeah. and I, th I believe the fertilizer that they are allowed to buy is funded by the bill and melinda gates oh, of course it is yeah of course yeah it is. so look the main thing here is regular people need to take part in the political process like sure. that's what yeah, we need to do so i i've still got the um the link up on our instagram bio of the uh submissions for uh, against the new mis and disinformation uh laws that they're trying to bring in get on there make your voice heard yeah i did it yeah cool i've done one you've done one i know i've had a lot of friends message me saying thanks for the link i've, I've done one but we have to get involved in this because the issue with Australians is we have previously in the past always had a laid back, she'll be right sort of attitude. No one cares about politics. But politics is encroaching on our lives so much now. They used to leave you alone, like literally. And we've spoken about this a few months ago. The, the reward for doing the right thing in this country used to be freedom. The yeah. reward for, in quotes, doing the right thing in this country now is, in quotation marks, safety. So that's not freedom. The safety yeah. is removing your rights from you. So we yeah. need to get involved in the political process. You need to make your voices heard. You need to stop voting for the Labour Liberal duopoly whenever you get an opportunity to. Yeah. We just had a recent local election in, uh, in my area because uh, the old dog Stuart Robert, Liberal Stuart Robert, who uh, went down in flames over the robo debt inquiry and has a whole bunch of other shady things to his name he decided to step down um so we just had the the chance to vote in our local area and look liberal still wanted a landslide i think this seat has only switched to labor once in the entire of its existence uh but what what was heartening was the person who came in third was one nation and they got about 14 percent of the vote so wow that's that's completely different to what i saw a few years ago um so i think yes very interesting yeah interesting. so i think a few people are starting to go you know what i'm not happy with what's currently happening and the biggest political lever you've got is your vote they're like we are still a democracy and and you need to make use of it isn't there talk just recently about the labor government trying to go to a what's it called a double dissolution where they're going to try and get like uh basically send us to the polls now to try and get some more votes back away from the greens 
Not sure. I'll talk about, I might have been talking about it today. We'll see. We'll keep an eye on it. Okay. Um, because you, so did we talk last week about that $10 million that they're going to put in for housing? I can't, no, I don't, we didn't speak about it last week. I can't remember if we've actually spoken about it. The housing so all over, Yeah, all over the news today and yesterday, they're just bashing the Greens. And that guy, I can't remember what that guy's name is. Who did yeah, the, the young that. young Greens senator. Yeah. And, and look, I'm the last person to be a Green supporter. I'm the last person. But I have to say, on this matter, they are right. They're right, like, yeah, they yeah. Sh- they, they shouldn't allow this... And, and, and just in a nutshell, they've I just earmarked... want to double check. Sorry, I'm just going to go back through and just double check if we did speak about this on a previous episode. Well, I'll just but... I'll, I'll make it really quick. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they, the government, the Labor government, want to add ten billion dollars to a future housing fund. And when you look at the details of the fund, it basically says we're gonna we're gonna print or borrow ten billion. Yep. We're going to give it to Peter Costello's company that is a, basically a hedge fund. Mm-hmm. And we're going to use the earnings from that to build low-cost housing. Yeah. The other issue, which is to me is just like a, that's, uh, you know, it's fascism again, right? Give, give it to your, your mates. I'm not sure. Is, is Peter Costello's, uh, is that even, is that private or public? I'm not 100% sure, but it is supposed to be the Australian Future Fund. Now, I don't know if it's a private. That could be a name. That could be a name. Yeah. They do this stuff all the time. Oh, of course. And at the end of the day, all it's designed to do is to take taxpayer money and stick it in a an investment firm, which is designed to make its own profits. Um, but yeah, Alex, Alex is right. While you try to look that up, like yeah. the the way... So we, we didn't actually speak about this. We were planning on it at one point, but then we, we just... There were some more pertinent things that came up. But... Um, Everyone's talking about, obviously, cost of living at the moment, but also the cost of housing and how, uh, you know, even though the, the economy is a little bit shaky, rental price is still going through the roof, mortgage price is still going through the roof, but also the price of properties themselves going through the roof, which doesn't really make a huge amount of sense when you consider the there should be less buyers in the market of property at the moment than they traditionally are, and yet they keep going to record highs. And what the ECG, gun- sorry, Peter Costello is the managing director of ECG Financial Proprietary Limited, which is a private company. Yeah, so there you go. It's it's supposed to be, it's supposed to sound like a government entity, but it's a private company that we're just funneling yep. taxpayer money into. Uh, just- he's a company director and corporate advisor with a boutique boutique firm, ECG Financial Proprietary Limited, which is, advises on mergers and acquisitions, foreign investment. Uh, competition and regulatory issues. Yeah. What a scam. That's right. What so, so what Alex is saying is and then, right. You, so you then go. you've got the other thing talking about like um, his issue with, because I think he's a member in Queensland, the the, the young Greens yes, member. Yes, Brisbane, I believe. And, yeah. I think, he's, I think he's talking, he voted him in last time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Douchebags. Yeah, yeah. My blue <laughs> yeah, yeah. haired people up here in Brisbane. Yeah. Um, and then he was talking about how it basically enriches the property developers who went and bought floodplain land for dirt cheap yeah which is now going to get rezoned for public housing and make them like a 10 times like 10 yeah. on their so investment. let me be let me be specific with what alex is saying here because uh i explored this a little while ago and found a good clip on it which i might just put a um, link to that clip below but to give you a really brief rundown of what the clip was about because it's all it's all related so there's 
The Labor government, the federal government, announced the $10 billion housing future fund, and they promised that it would build thousands and thousands of low-cost or social housing in the next five years. And the idea is that you get $10 billion of taxpayer money, you give it to Peter Costello in his uh, fund, you invest that money, and then with the, the return on investment of that money, you use that money to then start building these houses, these low-cost houses in, in quotation marks. Now, there's a few problems with the legislation. Number one, uh, it, doesn't, it doesn't specify what low-cost housing is. Huh. Yeah. So that's a big key issue. The second problem is that they're saying it'll it'll build, I think the number was about 30,000 houses was what they had claimed it would build in the next five years. So they ran the numbers on it. Um, for a start, the uh, you can only start building houses once you have received profits from the initial investment. And in the last 12 months, the investment fund is down which means there are no profits for the last 12 months. So you would have to hope that there are, that it goes back up again over the next 12 to even get a return on investment to begin. Secondly, they can't start building until it, it creates $500 million in, uh, in revenue. Wow. So that's in the legislation as well. It has to get the 500 million in revenue first, and then that can be withdrawn to start building these houses. And just so you know, those... Uh, the way these wealth funds work, they'll just get paid a percentage of the total portfolio regardless, win, lose, or draw. That's right. That's so right. So they'll get paid usually, you know, it, call it 0.1%. Yeah. Com on, on how much is $10 billion? $10 billion, yeah. Yeah, pretty so, sweet deal. Absolutely. So... And if you, it's actually better off if you're making a loss because you never have to pay that... You never have to pay, pay anything out of it. That's right. Um, what a scam. Yeah. Now... The, the guy who ran the numbers on it said in an absolute best case scenario, if you base the returns off typical industry returns from these funds, um, over the next five years, the profits from this housing future fund may build a maximum of 1,300 homes, <laughs> which is woeful. Like, I think the latest report says we're about 750,000 dwellings short on supply at the moment. Now, the next follow-up thing to this, oh, just to wrap up in a little bow, in, in other words, what that policy is designed to do is make it look like the Labor government has committed $10 billion to build social housing, so all of us think they're doing something about the problem. Yep. But it's woefully inadequate and it won't solve the problem. Which is kind of what they want, because the next part to this is the real reason why housing prices are so high all comes down to property developers. And as Alex was alluding to before about the floodplains thing and that member of the Greens, so he was being interviewed on, I think it was ABC, and he was being absolutely roasted by the ABC presenter going, you and your party, you voted against two social housing projects, blah, 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 blah. And when they finally let this guy explain himself, he's like, yeah, we voted against those two social housing projects because the property developer was building them on the floodplains near the Brisbane River. Mm. So the next huge awesome scam out of all of this stuff is they get these property developers are being allowed to build developments in floodplains which means they bought the land for ridiculously cheap they get to build them there then when they flood they get to blame it on climate change it's the best scam in the world do you know the worst thing too and i've heard this anecdotally and i don't know i don't know if he's listening but hello if you are uh had told me that 
a development was going up in on the Gold Coast that was supposed to be a low cost housing complex. Yeah. And some very rich individuals came in and basically as part of the deal bought multiple levels within this high rise yeah. and then lobbied the builders to to up, make them up market. Mm. And I think some social money, sorry, some public money was used for that. And the minimum cost of those uh, units is a million dollars. Yeah. I'll give, paint you another picture. There are units that are on the, I live near the Brisbane river. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I go walking across the Brisbane river and I have said it on this show before, but there's a bunch of developers going up the cheapest units you can get on the Brisbane river new unit is two and a half million dollars. That's right. <clears throat> and this is the kicker. The real reason for the current levels of property pricing all comes down to property developers. Their business model is to develop sites and sell them to make as much money as they possibly can. So for a property developer, it makes no sense to develop all these sites as quickly as you possibly can and then have to fire sale these things for cheap because that eats into their profits. So what that green senator was saying, because there's this myth, because the property developers go, oh, the only reason why there's no social housing is because the government doesn't approve the submissions. So he brought receipts and brought the data to this interview. And I can't remember the exact stats off the top of my head, but it was something along the lines of, um, in the last, I think it was 12 months to two years, whatever the period was, uh, 94% of the submissions from developers for development were approved by local governments. But out of those, more than 100,000 of those submissions, those properties, were never built. So they, the approvals are sitting there. So this literally just comes down to the fact that, as with any other commodity, price is based on supply versus demand. However, the person who is in control of the supply also happens to be the one whose financial success uh, rests upon how much you can get for each individual property. That's the real issue. So this Labor $10 billion future fund is designed to make it look like the Labor government's actually doing something, whereas they're actually not doing anything at all because all of these property developers pay ridiculous amounts of money in lobbying fees to both sides of government every single year. And well, I'm most offended by the fact that, that we're going to give it to Peter Costello. That's the crazy thing to me. Mm. What's 0.1% of 10 billion? Heaps. I don't, I'm not even going to do the maths. I'm too tired. But it's too much. But, but it's for, too nothing, much. for nothing. For yeah. nothing. To have to have fun on the stock market. That's actually, crazy to me. This actually segues us perfectly into a story that I'm going to give you without notice. And I don't know if you saw this, but um, the IBAC report from Operation Sandon just got dropped last night down in Victoria. I haven't um, seen this. Go to, go to, oh, I'll go to Voice for Victoria. What did you want to send to me on Telegram? And I can load it. Uh, I don't know if she's got something here. I should have actually grabbed this stuff. It'll, it'll probably be on her Twitter, I'd say. content people yeah um so basically just to try to fill a bit of the space while we try to find it um just actually alex just on your end just google um iback victoria 
report and it should come up so this was operation sandon i believe it is which was a, i think it was about a five-year investigation into uh corruption alleged corruption uh happening in victoria and it's all based around a property developer funnily enough uh called well I'll, I'll wait until you can find it because i don't want to say the wrong name uh here we go so ibac so the independent yeah broad-based anti-corruption commission so operation sand and special report uh can you just scroll in a little bit more it's a little bit small on my end oh Oh. uh uh look i i know the gist of the story so i'll just explain it so um and you can you guys can google this stuff if you want to actually find out the real details and your screen's just gone completely missing alex so i don't know if you can hear me but at least it'll keep recording at the same time um so operation sandon was an investigation into the uh, relationship between um, a property developer in victoria and local councillors slash the dan andrews government and essentially what is that, what it has uncovered is that this particular developer has paid like tens if not hundreds of thousands of dollars in essentially bribes to different um entities different councillors in different regions to get um favorable decisions on zoning and stuff like that in victoria so essentially what he's doing is like what we're sort of sort of like what we're talking about with these um well, i think alex is just coming back here maybe we'll see I don't know if you can hear me but i can't see you alex i think your camera's off um but essentially oh and he's gone again bear with us good old technical difficulties um but yeah so essentially like what we we're saying before about that green senator up in brisbane where the property developers were doing developments on floodplains so obviously if you've got a piece of land that is zoned incorrectly uh well not even incorrectly but maybe not zoned for the correct thing uh if you can buy that for a lot cheaper if it's not zoned for commercial or for residential apartments or whatever then if you can grease someone's hand to get them to change the zone on it after you purchase that land for cheap it actually skyrockets in value and is used for profiteering just bear with us two seconds guys i'm going to try to get alex back on here so just hold on a moment and we're back so alex's computer just bricked so we're we're back um so as i was saying alex this this operation standard and literally it's uh, centered around an investigation into the dodgy dealings between a property developer in victoria and uh like local councillors uh the daniel andrews government and essentially what it is so okay so now i've got the document up here so operation sandon um just go back up to the top just where the uh initial so it says here operation sandon is an investigation by ibac into allegations of corrupt conduct involving councillors and property developers in the city of casey casey council in melbourne southeast it is all it also examined the effectiveness of victoria's systems and controls for safeguarding the integrity of the state's planning processes uh just scroll just go down the scope of the investigation if you can so in november 2017 ibac authorized a preliminary inquiry into allegations of serious corrupt conduct concerning mr samir aziz a casey councillor 
IBAC expanded the investigation in October 2018 to consider the conduct of developer John, uh, Mr. John Woodman and another Casey councillor, Mr. Greg uh, is that Ablett, and whether the Casey council accepted uh, undeclared payments, gifts or other benefits, including political donations in exchange for favourable council outcomes. Oh, thank you for that. That's way better. If you can just scroll over to the left slightly as well so I can read it. Uh, IBAC's investigation was primarily concerned with four planning matters involving Mr. John Woodman and his associates. Each matter involved the Casey Council as decision maker and two required the Minister for Planning to make a determination. IBAC's investigation examined the conduct of public officers, elected or not, at both state and local government levels. Uh, do we want to go through... Uh, we should skip through seven pages. Yeah, so we don't have to read the whole thing, obviously, um, but this is exactly what we were talking about. So essentially what it is saying is that this Mr. John Woodman has been accused and the investigation was, was looking into him essentially buying cheap bits of land and then paying in dodgy ways, essentially bribes to councillors to get favourable decisions on things like rezoning. So it all looks like one big scheme where he would buy a parcel of land for cheap, he would get it zoned uh, to the zone that he wanted via these payments, and then he would make an absolute fortune on that, and it would just continue and continue and continue. Um, Daniel Andrews got interviewed on multiple occasions in that investigation, but they kept it private, which is frustrating. Um, but yeah, this, this is, is the thing that frustrates me, is that if it's, gov if it's public money, it, there should be no such thing as commercial incompetence. Yeah. That that should be that needs to be outlawed. It's yeah. our money. We need to know uh, uh, what's happening with it. There has it has to be transparent. Yeah. Now I can cop when I can cop when a deal remains commercial in confidence before it is finalised because there might be a commercial negotiation yep. process going between yep. the private company and the government. I cop that. Cop that. But as soon as it is uh, written in black and white and signed off Public on. Record. It should be part of the public record. You're absolutely right. And that goes for everything. That goes for all of these agreements for procurements, for uh, building facilities like the... Um, the what's I heard, I'd heard a story from a mate of mine who's got a job for a company that does stacks of government contracts. And they told me there's supposed to be this tender process, but he, he flat out said to me, the tender process doesn't exist. They just say, hey, what would you charge for blah, blah, blah? Oh, okay, yeah. we'll put in a submission. Just submit that to us and we'll give you the business. Yeah, exactly. Because like like you said, money doesn't matter to the government. It's not their money. Yeah. They don't give a shit. Because no one yeah. checks up on them either. And this yeah. is why the, the ability for corrupt activity is so rife in government. Because there are no checks and balances. Yeah. And the majority of people who got to the top they degree someone's palm on the way there, so they're already compromised. And then, you know, a mate of mine went to a wedding. A mate of mine went to a wedding with a bunch of judges and lawyers and politicians, high yep. end. And there was a lady there who worked for the government and was showing off to the table that someone had spoken down. A man had spoken down to her, so she was going to teach him. So he he was asking for two billion dollars of funding, and instead she gave the two billion to someone else. Mm. Pointless. <clears throat> look at look at the whole story about Joe Biden back when he was vice president uh, with Ukraine, where the American government, like he was flown to Ukraine to announce a billion dollar loan guarantee, 
and but at the same time they had a public prosecutor that was investigating Burisma and its association with Hunter Biden and Joe Biden said if you like there's video footage of this he literally he's like joking about it he's like I told them if you don't fire the prosecutor uh you're not getting the billion dollars and they said you're not the president you don't have that authority and he goes call him and I'll be damned like they fired him so like this this corruption's everywhere and I think it's been happening forever I think we just so I think it's so um in your face now because everyone's gotten so arrogant and lazy about all of it they're not even trying to hide it anymore they're and not even trying yeah and it's coming from everywhere but you're right the, the whole commercial and confidence and and hiding all of these things from public view I mean there is no there's no justification for that at all yeah well it's literally just trying to hide the corrupt things that they're doing with your money so yeah. We but let's got, move on quickly to the last, yeah, the last we got to go to the voice because we are we are dragging on a little bit um, um here's the voice we'll try to understand it do you want to start with no or yes start with the yes because uh, essentially that's the the big push yeah so these um there's an article here from the guardian where they've actually gone through the yes and the no pamphlets and they tried to fact check them um so take them with a grain of salt but we might even just stick to the actual um information on the pamphlet itself and what they're trying to say so the pamphlet goes as follows vote yes for a better future for aboriginal and torres strait islander people and all australians vote yes for unity hope and to make a positive difference voting yes is about recognition recognizing aboriginal and torres strait islander people in our constitution and paying respect to sixty-five thousand years of culture and tradition listening listening to advice from aboriginal and torres strait islander people about matters that affect their lives so governments make better decisions and better results making practical progress in indigenous health education employment and housing so people have a better life uh, it's a change only you can make happen the government could legislate a voice but constitutional enshrinement is something that is called for in the uluru statement from the heart Vote yes to an idea that comes directly from Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people themselves. Constitutional recognition through a voice. What is the voice? The voice will be a committee of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people who will give advice to the parliament and government on issues that affect their community. It will include Indigenous Australians from every state and territory, the Torres Strait Islands, and representatives from the regions and remote communities. Members of the voice will be chosen by Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people in their local area and serve for a fixed period. why we need it there are big challenges facing aboriginal and torres strait islander people a life expectancy eight years shorter than non-indigenous australians worse rates of disease and infant mortality a suicide rate twice as high fewer opportunities for education and training clearly the current approach isn't working to close these gaps find solutions and plan for the future we need to listen to advice from aboriginal and torres strait islander people about issues affecting their lives and communities how the voice will work the voice is about advice when governments listen to people about issues that affect them they make better decisions get better results deliver better value for money the voice will give advice on key issues facing aboriginal and torres strait islander people from better infant health to improving services in remote areas parliament and government will still be responsible for all laws programs and funding uh, i don't want to get people's quotes on it i just want to get the information the voice key facts 
Idea comes from Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. Recognised as First Peoples in our constitution, a committee of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people gives people a say on issues affecting them. Listening will mean better results and better value for money. Representatives from all states and territories, the Torres Strait Islands and remote communities will include young people and a balance of men and women. Parliament and government still responsible for laws, programs and funding. Uh, keep reading for eight more reasons to vote yes. It, it basically just keeps repeating the same stuff. So supporting yeah. an aspiration put forward by Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander, like it's it's the same stuff. It's waffle. It's waffle. Yeah. It's waffle. Yeah. Feel free to go through and, and read the pamphlet for yourself. But just listening to the information on there, what are your thoughts on the yes pamphlet? Well, I want to start by saying, at the start of the when they first mentioned it, I was all for it. I was all for it. I thought it's this political system that we built in Australia is based on a British style mm -hmm. and did not have any um did not have any representation from first nations people mm -hmm. however i think this implementation of it is the worst possible implementation they could have ever have conjured up they have not even tried that first sentiment is they're just words none of it means mm -hmm. anything it's me. a vibe it's the it's yeah yeah it's yeah. it's almost embarrassing that that's what like if, if it meant a lot to you which i don't think it does i and like i said i think it's a i think it's big psyop i think they want us to i think it wants to create uh a a disunity in yep. australia 364 million dollar psyop yeah i think that's what it's about and I think that that pamphlet is just goes to show how little effort they put into it. Yeah. Should we see the no? So before you go to the no, I just want to give my first my thoughts on this. So when I read through that, the the biggest criticism that has been coming from the no camp through this entire time is we want actual details, and the selling the the marketing strategy of the yes campaign has all been around the emotional call to action of the atrocities committed to aboriginal people and we need to rectify that now and we're going to do it through this voice and this is something that was uh, designed it's an idea from aboriginal and indigenous people and it, it but it's all again it's all just emotional we need to do this because it'll make you feel better about yourself we need to do this because you should all feel guilty that we haven't done it but the thing that really stands out to me throughout that entire document is how often it basically says that the government doesn't listen to indigenous people that's what it yeah. says because it keeps yeah. saying oh well you know we haven't closed the gap the existing things that the governments have been doing has not been working and only through listening but and so okay so what you're saying is up until now be like be, and, and and still continuing now because there is no voice to parliament you just don't listen to indigenous people about their issues and what is important to them in their own communities and the whole point of the Australian democracy is we all have equal voice. You have all have one vote, which is your one voice to put towards, you know, the democracy. So an indigenous voice at the moment in the current system, pre-voice, is has the same level of voice in Australian democracy as a non-indigenous voice. And when you look at things like we've got 
you know, local area, like local councillors, local area representatives. So if you're living in an indigenous community, the majority of the voice in that community for their local councillors will be indigenous. So you would assume that the local councillor will be listening to the indigenous voices of their constituents about what matters to them in their local community. That's why, that's how the democracy is supposed to work. The other big problem I have about it is there is still no detail. It literally just says it will be a committee of advisors, but government at the end of the day still has all the power and all and and can do. So all they can the still not listen. So they can still not listen. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But as I feared when they first announced this, what I think is the likely outcome, because all we've spoken about this episode essentially is government corruption, because if you give them the ability to corrupt, they will, because it is human nature for people to do that stuff. All this will end up turning out to be, and it might start well, but what it will end up becoming is another layer of overpaid government bureaucracy, which achieves nothing based on what it's supposed to do, or they will, all the government of the day will end up doing, because hey, they, they control all the legislation, right? So they get to control the makeup of the voice. They can claim that it will come down to it being voted by Indigenous people. But any government of the day can take that out of the legislation whenever they like. So what will end yeah. up ha happening is we'll become a body of probably $200,000 per year, fixed five-year term people, who then the government goes to them and goes, hey, we want to do this policy which is not popular with Indigenous people. If you want to keep that plum $200,000 a year job where you literally do nothing, you got to go and sell it yeah. to your people. It won't yeah. be about have giving indigenous people more of a voice and that's Could reflected be. in the fact of the amount of indigenous people who've come out saying i don't want this and the government's yeah. like, la, 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 la. like i'm not listening yeah. they're already not yeah. listening anyway yeah this is the yes vote the no vote the no, uh, no, no vote. so let's go no, to the no, no pamphlet him. so reasons to vote no a summary this referendum is not simply about recognition. This voice proposal goes much further. If passed, it would represent the biggest change to our constitution in our history. It is legally risky with unknown consequences. It would be divisive and permanent. If you don't know, vote no. Or as old soccer players used to say, if in doubt, kick it out. <laughs> risky. We all want to help Indigenous Australians in disadvantaged communities. However, this voice is not the answer and presents a real risk to our system of government. Uh, uh, the voice specifically sorry I'm, I missed my spot the voice specifically covers all areas of executive government this means no issue is beyond its reach the high court would ultimately determine its powers not the government it risks legal challenges delays and dysfunctional government Unknown. No details have been provided on how members of the voice would be chosen or how it would operate. Australians are being asked to vote first before these details are worked out. Australians should have details before the vote, not after. We don't know how it will work. We don't know who will be on it, but we do know it will permanently divide us as Australians. Some voice supporters say this would just be a first step to reparations and compensation and other radical changes. So what uh, would come next it's divisive enshrining a voice in the constitution for only one group of australians means permanently dividing our country it creates different classes of citizenship through an unknown body that has the full force of the constitution behind it many indigenous australians do not support this it's permanent 
Putting a voice in the Constitution means it's permanent. We'll be stuck with negative consequences. Ten reasons to vote no. This voice is legally risky. Australia's constitution is our most important legal document. Every word can be open to interpretation. Australia hasn't changed its constitution since 1977. This would be the biggest change to our democracy in Australia's history. It is a leap into the unknown. This voice has not been road tested. There is no comparable constitutional body like this anywhere in the world. Enshrining a voice in the constitution means it is open to legal challenge and interpretation by the High Court. This is basically the same thing again. As... Yeah, so yeah, they'll, they'll keep repeating yeah, yeah. things. Thoughts? Yeah. Um, look, I, I think the fact that this one of the one of the points was had has more clarity now, which is like how they're going to select the people. Even though it's still not clear, it's more clear than it was before. Mm -hmm. But it's still very vague, and and uh, yeah, we don't know what the negative consequences are. Do we have to go as far as to put it into the constitution? Yeah. So, uh, look, I'm, I'm voting no. I'm voting yeah. no. Here's my main thought on it. As, as both pamphlets have said, it is possible to legislate this voice right now. There doesn't need to be a referendum. It doesn't need to go into the Constitution. It, is it not a reasonable ask to cancel the $364 million referendum that we're paying for to legislate... To, but to legislate it for... 12 to 24 months to give it a trial run and yeah. work on it to see what like is it achieving the outcomes the desired outcomes what improvements can we make to it and and come up with a best practice and then once we've got it right then enshrine it into the constitution yeah. is that not reasonable yeah i actually never thought of that i'd never thought of that and that seems more than reasonable yeah i so for for that very reason i'm i'm voting no but the other thing too is like all of the vague language and everything all you need to look at is these aboriginal cultural heritage laws and the rollout of that it's a debacle this is just yeah. an example of like government doesn't get this stuff right very very regularly i don't think they've ever rolled out a program at all that on day dot's been like boom we got this we we killed yeah. it how good are we going they bungle everything because it's you know you've got all these humans involved in it and mistakes are going to be made but the other problem with it too is it does leave more and more uh, opportunities for corruption. And as yeah. I was, as I was saying, in um, with those Aboriginal Cultural Heritage Act laws, the fact that they've broadened these laws to include the tangible and intangible, and now you've empowered a local, um, a local Aboriginal cult uh, cultural heritage. Uh, you know committee body. body or whatever you want to call it to then make the decisions of the local area that right there that's an opportunity for corruption because they don't like someone they can literally walk on their land and go there is an intangible uh, aboriginal cultural heritage site on your land you can't use it for what you want to use yeah like they could literally do that like that like the opportunity is there i'm not saying that they are going to do it i'm saying that they can so yeah. we should not be forcing through constitutional change, which is not even in black and white what the legislation yeah. is, to then allow them to further divide and be further corrupt. Like it just, you would never sign but, a blank contract. But it's ever. also embarrassing. Yeah, it's, it's also embarrassing that it's got like 
we had to wait this long to get to this point. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's pathetic. On the government side, it's absolutely pathetic. Yep. And I know what they're doing. They're pulling at the heartstrings of the left yep. because enshrining it into the constitution sounds awesome. Yeah. But when you read it, you're like, this sucks. And it's why they just, they use the same lefty playbook of anyone who is trying to vote no for rational reasons, you just get called a racist. Like, yeah. you're not a racist just because you're trying to make a proper decision. But the fact that yeah. they're happy to use that sort of language, it's all just neuro-linguistic programming. Like they've been doing this stuff to us for years. They did it with the anti-vaxxers. They do it with the climate deniers. They do it with the, the people who stand for Putin, don't stand for Ukraine. It's the same play over and over and yeah. over again. It is the basic human instinct to not want to be ostracized from your society. So they just hope that if they put enough negative pressure on anyone who wants to resist, that they will just fold because they want to be part of the group. It's, and, and if you're only reading the headlines, you're going to vote yes. Yeah, exactly. Because if, if you only read the headlines, then voting no makes you a racist. It makes you hate Indigenous yeah. people. And it means you're happy that there's a gap. Like, how about this? Have we ever done an analysis of why the gap is there? Oh, why does the gap exist? Where's the, where's the documentation that the government has done um, extensive testing and experimentation and has come out and gone, here are the reasons why the gap exists in in health outcomes in, in all of those different things that they said in the pamphlet here's the re here's the reasons for it this is how we're going to fix it no there's no analysis there's no there's no plan there's no action plan all they want to do is create a new body that we have to then pay for that's it mm. which can then be used for whatever they want to use it for which yeah. never ends up being the end result and all you have to do go and go and do some research on the amount of indigenous advisory bodies that have already been set up over the last 50 years and how much money has been funneled into them and the problem hasn't changed like it's it's the same same playbook create a problem to justify the spending of taxpayer money and then just spend it in perpetuity because that's what happens yeah. and that's what they're planning yeah. on doing with this so i'm voting no and on that note thanks for joining us guys see you next week